Hi, this is Andy Hoffman of CryptoGoldCentral.com, the sound money blog of the 21st century, in which I write daily of my vision of the future of money, in which Bitcoin is the center of the universe. Try my free seven-day trial membership and contact me at ahoffman at CryptoGoldCentral.com to arrange cryptocurrency or precious metal consultations. This week's guest on One on One is what Alec Baldwin and John Goodman were to Saturday Night Live, appearing regularly due to high demand and highly incremental content. That man, of course, is fellow World Crypto Network colleague and Bitcoin maximalist Adam Meister, a.k.a. the Bitcoin Meister. Adam is one of the hardest working entrepreneurs in the cryptocurrency community and has empowered thousands through Bitcoin's ups and downs in times just like this, including myself. Uh, his daily free videos on the Bitcoin Meister YouTube channel are must-listen information for both good information and empowerment. And I'm pleased to announce that Adam, along with Vortex, Mike Krieger, and Jack Mellers, will be joining me for a huge meetup event in Denver on April 25th, co-hosted by the World Crypto Network and Boulder Blockchain, which you can get tickets to by going to the Boulder Meetup website. To that end, Adam, welcome to One on One on this opening day. To which I ask, what team will win the World Series? Well, you know what? I just, <laughs> my favorite team is the Baltimore Orioles. Let's just leave it at that. That is where I am from, Baltimore. I'm representing today. And it's always like a national holiday on opening day in Baltimore. And it's just a uh, rejuvenating type of a feeling. The spring has sprung and uh, uh, it's baseball time again. So I, 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 that's, that's my... Uh, that's my that's my little distraction in life. Uh, my little hobby there is, right. is baseball. <laughs> well, for, well, for someone who has pretty much given up all the distractions, including football and everything else, the fact that baseball is still so prominent in your mind shows that there is something to the national pastime, be it in hockey in Canada or certainly baseball here. Myself, I am a huge New York Mets fan, even though I've been out of New York for more than 10 years and uh, and hope springs eternal every spring. Exactly. And that's the way we should th think about it in Bitcoin, too. You know, there's there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. There's always a better day. Yeah. Unfortunately, as we're going to talk about today, there'll be many, many tomorrows for Bitcoin. But for a lot of the old coins, it's questionable how many tomorrows there'll be or what kind of tomorrows they will be. So we're going to have a very interesting show, as you can imagine. Certainly people have been watching my Twitter feed and listening to Adam's podcast. We have a lot to say with all the crazy things going on. Uh, those that know me well know I will fight to the death, in many cases contentiously for what I believe. Adam does so too, in a far more diplomatic style. But in the end, we are both fighting to defend Bitcoin's best interests. As not only are we all in personally, professionally, and philosophically, but believe that spreading truth in what is morphing into the most decentralized, every man for himself paradigm in history can help millions of early adopters down the path of prosperity. Today, we're going to march headlong into the causes of and most likely outcomes of the crypto bear market we are dealing with today. For very early adopters, it's surreal to be speaking of a bear market at Bitcoin 7,500, given that a year ago we were at 800 and last summer as low as 1,800. However, given for the most, even for the most conservative Bitcoin hodlers, it's still extremely painful both mentally and physically, and for late adopters who paid much higher prices, let alone altcoin investors who in many cases were catastrophically wrecked, the experience is far worse. 
To that end, Adam, tell us your views of why the crypto bear market commenced, what needs to occur for it to end, and how long that might be. Well, why did it happen? Why did it happen? In, in terms of cryptocurrency, not Bitcoin, but in, in terms of cryptocurrency, there was a lot of hype in some of these small altcoins. Everyone in so many, many people in countries all over the world heard about this Bitcoin thing. They, they thought they couldn't afford it. They had ways of buying these cheap altcoins. They bought things that they didn't understand what they were. So money started pouring into the space and there was a big hype cycle. And, you know, the, the prices of all these Cardano, all these small little coins went up, the, the fifth tier altcoins. There was just a lot of irrational exuberance and uh, that, that pumped the entire market up. And then there were, you know, then there was FUD. And since 80% of the people were new or they don't have strong hands, they started panicking and it, it created a new atmosphere of, of panic, which brought down the market and brought down Bitcoin too. Now, I mean, these things happen. These things happen. The price of Bitcoin and of all the cryptocurrencies went up exponentially. And that's just too fast sometimes. And there's going to be a correction. This is how markets work. Um, we saw the, back in 2013, 2014, the price of Bitcoin went up too fast and then it went back down and based on a lot of FUD. Uh, and, and again, so, some of it is based on it going up too fast. Some of it is based on FUD and, and that's not, but, but it, all, it all evens out eventually. We get to a comfortable price and then it slowly starts to build up again until there's more irrational exuberance and we're going to go through it. It, it. It's an entire cycle here. And uh, so for me, I don't really worry about why it happened too much. Um, how long is it going to last? That's any that's anyone's guess. I, I'll tell you this, the if the other bear market, the other the one that everyone points to that uh, happened after Mt. Gox 2013, 2014, 2015, I mean that was basically two years and it was it was fiddling around two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars and now, I mean, that's totally forgotten now, which is just an amazing feeling. But I don't think this this will be that long. I don't think it's going to stick around $7,000 for or whatever, $7,000, $8,000, dollars $8, $9,000 for two years. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, then it does. I mean, I've lived through it before. I still had the same amount of Bitcoin that I had before. Also, we're, we're going to, in two years, we're going to be approaching the halving. And I think... That will be, uh, you know, we were no longer in a bear market when we were in the 2016 halving, when we actually reached that day. So I, I expect the same thing, that it, it's pretty hard to be in a bear market when you're approaching a halving. Right. There's so many ways I could put this. I have stuff written down here. Like so I'm trying to mix in my thoughts with what I've written. I mean, the fact is... I can be merciless uh, when it comes to things that I, I believe are bad. And in my view, from what I saw in the dot-com bubble, what I saw in mining stocks, people don't even realize what the, the junior mining stocks bubble that was in the mid to 2000s, actually early to mid 2000s. We are talking about some major, major hype came into the system uh, for companies that really had nothing to do with with the real excitement, the real the real measure of excitement was the internet in the late 1990s. The real measure of excitement 
in the early to mid 2000s was the outlook for the price of gold and uh, and these industries spawn uh, around them with all the hype uh, that that are basically money grabs. And uh, that's how I view 95% plus of the altcoins. I mean, I would say plus plus because when you look at how things came about, you know, I mean, the, the Bcash was the first one to come about as a free money thing. And yes, maybe its intentions were initially, initially noble. Uh, but once it got there, uh, it became a pump and dump itself. And of course, it spawned a whole new uh, industry of these things. And again, this is after the whole ICO bubble back in May and June. People forgot about that. They don't realize that Ethereum's ratio to Bitcoin was much higher back in June of last year than it was even at the peak two months ago. So we've had several hype cycles around Bitcoin success. This latest one was also around Ethereum's success, even though I would argue, and we'll talk about in a second, that Ethereum, much of it was based on smoke and mirrors as opposed to Bitcoin, where you had this big jump in the price based on some very materially, fundamentally long-term bullish events. Two and two In two weeks, we had the SegWit uh, activation in July, and then the Bcash fork failed to split the network. So the way I look at it, Adam, we had a unbelievably bullish year fundamentally for Bitcoin, whereas as you look at the altcoins, what fundamentally changed other than that Bitcoin did well? No, nothing. I mean, no, the altcoins shouldn't have gone up in value. I mean, it was just people, it's pure speculation on the altcoins. People don't understand that Bitcoin is the one. It's the only one that's not centralized. It doesn't have a management team. Um, but because the other ones all do have management teams, they get to hype themselves and convince people to buy them. I mean, I, if we're looking to, I don't think it matters who's the blame for, for all this. I just, I just don't think it matters. I think if people just take a conservative long-term thinking approach, um, they shouldn't be distracted by all the altcoin hype and they should stick with the rock. They should stick with Bitcoin. And uh, that this is, uh, you know, that the, the major fluctuations in these other coins to just teach everyone that, you know what, they, they don't do anything yet. Bitcoin does. Let's let's stick with Bitcoin. So, I mean, I, I've always said, you know, don't don't spend your fiat on these other coins. Don't blindly diversify into these other coins. If you get them for free, you get them for free, though. Turn them into Bitcoin. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean. Back in the time of the uh, of the, the dot-com era, it was, again, the exact same thing. The internet got hype and, and all the money comes in, uh, some of it with honest intention, some of it believing they're innovating and some actually innovating, but for the most part, creating uh, free money. They figured the money was there to take, so let's take it. Uh, the difference being that back then it was Wall Street that promoted. I was on Wall Street. <laughs> I mean, I was in the oil field service sector and I was told to spend all of my time trying to pitch IPOs and create companies that could capitalize on the internet. This is in the oil industry, which 15 years later or 20 years later still hasn't had much impact from the internet. But that's exactly what happened here. The difference is that there is no Wall Street doing it this time, with the exception of the hedge funds that bought all these altcoins. Uh, so it was really kind of you know grassroots, and that makes it even more shady because there's no regulation whatsoever. Uh, I, I think it's just, I think it's cool that we're in this free market where mm -hmm. anyone and their brother can create a coin and say it's going to be the next Bitcoin and, you know, try their best, try to, to knock the king off the mountain. But they're not they're not going to they haven't been able to do it yet. So I think it just show it, it reinforces the strength of Bitcoin. I mean, you, you talked about uh, 
Bcash. And to, for people, I, I want to say one thing about Bcash that's important. If you simply dismiss it and say, oh, it was, it was just a scam, it was just a scam, that actually, actually kind of discredits Bitcoin in a way because Bcash was something that some people with incredible conviction and incredible wealth put a lot of time, effort, and money into and have built uh, an incredible interest into it. It, it, is, it is worth you know 10% of a Bitcoin. They put a lot of work into that thing, a lot of effort into that Bcash. And yet still, yet still, it has not been able to, it's still just Bcash. It, their goal is to be the Bitcoin. And no one considers, hardly, maybe a few people consider it to be the real Bitcoin, the hardcore people over there. But most people realize it's a total altcoin. So Bitcoin has been able to defeat this very powerful force, just totally hold it off. And so when people just say, oh, Bcash is just a, Bcash is just a scam, it's just a scam, it's just this you're kind of belittling what Bitcoin has done. So that's one of the reasons I, 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 try, I am very careful when I use the word scam, because I want people to understand is, you know, a, a scam is like when you, you get a, a, an email that says, hey, uh, I'm Coinbase, click on this, your, your money is in jeopardy, uh, and, you know, <laughs> give me your private key or whatever. You know, that's a scam, but people are trying to straight up, you know, steal from you, you're not getting anything in return. The the B cash you can say it's it was an attack it was uh, you know <clears throat> it's fake Bitcoin but you do get what you pay for I mean if you if you buy it you get this coin it's a legit it is a legitimate coin you can do you can send it people accept it and stuff but it was uh, it was a is a powerful force and to just dismiss it say oh, it's a scam it belittles what Bitcoin has done because Bitcoin has totally held off at those dudes at Bcash. I mean, they he's got a lot of money that they put a lot into that and they have conviction. They really do have conviction. So I mean that that that's my take on it. And so if but who if they're part of the problem that that's caused the bear market and who knows if they are. And I mean I'm not looking for people to blame the, the bear market on. I mean I guess that's that's how I want to conclude it. But um but no, the bear market will pass. The bear market will pass, and we will see what happens to Bcash, and we will see what happens to Bitcoin. And I'm I'm very confident that uh, <clears throat> that Bitcoin again over the long term shows shows all its worth. Right, and I agree 100% with you about free markets. Uh, I believe that everyone should be able to try whatever they want and uh, and try to be the next Bitcoin. Uh, but where I disagree, of course, I think we both agree on this point that if you do it. Uh, in an unethical way, that's, I mean, you can call it a scam or you can you can call it whatever you want, but the fact is things need to be done with some sort of fairness. And again, is it a scam when you have a booth at a conference that says Bitcoin, but it's actually Bitcoin Cash, or you have a wallet uh, that has, that says it's Bitcoin, but it's Bitcoin Cash, and it uses the Bitcoin addresses. And then of course there's, you know, all these other things that have been done from the astroturfing, from the propaganda to the the blatant attacks, to the collusion with the Coinbase's and the CNBCs. I mean, th these are these are some nasty things. And the way that I've, I've viewed it, I mean, we're going to talk about specific coins. And the reason I'm talking about Bcash, uh, particularly and Ethereum, are because 
you know, the warning that I have, it's not just, oh, the bear market will pass, everything will be fine. These altcoins, it's like the dot-coms. Most of them will go away. And I mean, when I say go away, I don't mean actually go to zero. Many of them, the chains will stay around. But most of the dot-coms went away because they were, you can call them scams, you can call them worthless. But a lot of them are. And these two in particular, you know, and let's say go with Bcash. Now, you read the article by Crypto Herpes Cat, the one that I highlighted a few weeks ago. When you look into what was done after Bcash started, I mean, it started with noble intentions were going to be the next Bitcoin, even though it probably should never have started because it only started because the Bitcoin community rejected every one of Roger Ver's attempts uh, to create a coin. But after that, you look at how it got conglomerated or agglomerated into a handful of wallets of these big miners and all the pretense of, of, of how it was bought and where it was. There's a tremendous amount of Bcash sitting in a handful of wallets in very Ponzi-esque fashion that needs someone to buy it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's the situ it's a very dangerous situation. It's the exact same situation we're seeing now with Ethereum, with all of these ICOs that funded themselves with Ethereum. And that's what I'm trying, I've been trying to warn people about that there's going to be potentially enormous amounts that are going to hit the market, good or bad, for Bitcoin. Well, you brought up a lot of points here. Um, first of all, yeah, they, if if you have, there have been some shady marketing techniques. There have been some definitely shady marketing techniques for the Bcash. I mean, that can't be denied. But at, at the end of the day, though, you are still getting a real. It is a real cryptocurrency. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. It, mm -hmm. it is a real cryptocurrency. So if you, I mean, I, again, don't go out. And, <laughs> I don't advise anyone to go out and buy these things. Definitely. One awesome point that you brought up is that you know, in the end of the day. The 95% of these altcoins are going to disappear. Um, just it, that is a, a great comparison to the dot-com era. Um, but at what point are we in this uh, disappearance cycle? I think we're at the very beginning of the hype of these of these coins. I really do. I I think uh, because I, I mean I was a youngster during the days of the dot-com. And it, it, it was all over the place. People, everybody and their grandmother was able to buy this stuff. And there were new ones coming out every day. I, I think we haven't even, it, it's just the tip of the iceberg right now. There, there is going to be, a, there are going to be a lot more altcoins out there. A lot, and they're not going to survive. And that is the beauty of the free market. I mean, wh which ones are going to, to, to make it through the, the storm? And, and obviously, I mean, the thing we just have to, remind everyone of is that it's stick with bitcoin stick with bitcoin what in the long run if you don't think you know the the big competitor is going to survive or the little competitors is going to survive it doesn't it doesn't matter which one uh, uh because there are going to be a few that do survive but the the basic thing is you know that the rock is going to survive that bitcoin is is going to that is the one that's not the altcoin it's the one that's different than all the rest and i don't think during the dot-com era there was really anything that that, that that you knew that was because they were all new. No, it was the, it was the internet that was what Bitcoin is today. The internet yeah. was the thing that did just fine and had not a single bad day of news during the entire dot com crash. Yeah. That's the proper comparison. You're right. You're right. Bitcoin is the internet. Yes. Yes. And the the thing is though that you know you make we're making comparisons now between the dot com era because everyone always wants the easy comparison, but of course. That was a long time ago. That was 20 years ago. The world has vastly changed uh, since then. First of all, we've had many of these bubbles, 
so people are starting to get wise uh, in some ways to how things work, you know, in the bubble cycle. And also, people don't have as much money as they did then. I mean, the the top of the of the internet bubble in the year, let's say, two thousand, was pretty much the peak of prosperity of the world. And you could say, you know, from my background, that it was due to the peak of the fiat money. Uh, currency system, and that's when it all started to go downhill, when the debt got started uh, growing exponentially. But that was, those were good times. People had money. They, they invested in stocks. Uh, and then between that and then the crash from the real estate uh, 10 years later and, and the kind of inexorable reduction of jobs at a time when debt has gone up, people just don't have the money that they had. They seem to have it in Korea a few months ago, but it's not like I really expect this, this era to emerge where everyone's mother and grandmother is going to be buying cryptocurrencies. I guess it could happen, but there's definitely some stark differences between now and the year 1999. I, I don't know. You know, I think money is more available now. I, everyone's goes into debt so easily. Everyone's getting tattoos all over their bodies and they're on welfare. They have nothing. They're living off the government and they're able to get fancy cars. Now. I mean, it seems like the excess in the Western world is much more easily accessible now. So what are you, I mean, I, I think people will be able to easily you know, once cryptocurrencies are cool again, they'll just, you know, max out their credit cards on it and stuff. I mean, the, the, where, where there's a will, there's a way. I, 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 I think we're living in the most uh, prosperous time right now. I think things are more prosperous now than they were back then because just everybody can go into debt. The government is bailing everybody out in, in any way possible. Um, everyone is just living to extreme excess. And uh, I mean, that, that's, I guess that's a different subject matter, but uh I, I, I do think um, I, I do think this is all going to get pumped up again. Everything is going to get pumped up again. All the mm -hmm. altcoins based on just uh, you know herd mentality and stuff. Everybody's going to want want to get want to get a want, want easy ways to make money. There there are no easy ways. To right. Make. So so the question is, what place are we in in the cycle? Because you know you're agreeing with me that most of them will go away at the same time. You're talking about an epic you know PSI net moment where. You go into the dot com era. Meaning, meanwhile, I would say I would think that for a lot of these, we've already had it, and I don't I don't expect most of them to ever reach the valuations that they reached two months ago. And again, things move much faster now than they used to. I mean, this the dot com bubble it took five or six years. The the altcoin bubble, I mean, the the actual altcoin portion of the bubble. Because remember, when you when Bitcoin hit twenty thousand December seventeenth. Remember, altcoins were getting crushed. I mean, Bitcoin dominance was 61% at the time. So the altcoin bubble really started December 17th when Bitcoin was at 20,000 and lasted a month, uh, one month, and then the whole thing came down. The, the dot-com bubble took years to happen. So, you know, where are we in the cycle? Can we get there again? It's a uh, good question. That's the thing. You're, you're, you made a great point. Things are so much faster, happen so much faster than they did back in the day and um, 20 years ago. And uh, the thing is, we you can say, yeah, we already had our altcoin bubble. But I think either we're going to have since things move so fast, we've, we're going to cycle through this bad period and it's all going to start again. It's, it's either you can either consider it a repeat or just we, we have to take a few steps back. And realize that this is all part of a much grander hype cycle. That that was just the beginning of the hype. It took a teeny little break, but when we look back in 50 years at this, we'll see like, oh wait, that you know that that first year there was a little dip, but then look at those next three years. It went it went absolutely wild. So I, I think 
I, I, again, I think this is just I think this is just the beginning. I think I right. think it's still very difficult for the average person to buy cryptocurrency. It is. It is still. And it's still very confusing. There hasn't been that Netscape moment where it, it, where it's very, you know, this stuff is easy to play with and stuff. Back in the day, you know, it, it was pretty easy to get those those dot coms. I mean, my I even remember my grandmother was buying stocks. It was easy for her to buy stocks. She she was buying some weird ones and stuff. Even she didn't know what she was was getting into and stuff. And we I don't I don't think we've we've reached that point yet. But it, mm -hmm. things happen so fast, and that's and everyone should, should keep this in mind. For those of you who are down because the dollar price is down, and you shouldn't be because you still have the same amount of Bitcoin that you had beforehand. This stuff. Things go real fast now, and things are only speeding up. So, we—I mean, it could be next month where we're talking about how all this hype has started again. I mean, some innovator out there could create something that we cannot even imagine that makes it super duper easy to send Bitcoin, send Litecoin, trade them like instantaneously. You don't you don't have to worry about these exchanges anymore. This know your customer stuff. It could all change in a month, and and, uh, and that would just ramp up the hype again. I, th I, th I think we're just in a little bit of it. And again, I'm not encouraging people to get in these altcoins at all. I'm just dealing with reality that 80 percenters want to make easy money and that they're going to, they're not going to learn their lesson from what already happened. They're not going to learn their lesson from what already happened. And they're just going to buy into this stuff again and hype it all up again. And just stick with the rock Bitcoin because that's the one that's the solid base of all of this. Right. Well, many, many good points here. Uh, you know, I think about I did that one on one with a guy named David Siegel, uh, maybe two or three months ago. Most people don't know him because he's not like active in our part of the Twitter sphere, but he's very active in the, the business world and blockchain applications. And he was showing, again, the charts of people who thought like buying at the high of Mt. Gox or buying at the high of this is so terrible when you look at the bigger, broader theme, which of course is uh, a decentralized revolution that's led by Bitcoin, and and of course, you know, I use the term double dog years constantly because things just change so fast. Whether it's the price, the politics, I mean, just think about how we were mired in the the horror. I remember it was mid, it was June of last year when uh, when uh, Bitmain, uh, what's his name, Jiang Wu puts out the we're going to do the universal activated hard fork. To counter the universal user-activated soft fork, and and uh, and we're going to split the network. And I remember the price was crashing, and all hell was breaking loose, and everyone was in despair. Four weeks later, Segwit activated, and two weeks later, Bcash forked off, and the Bitcoin network shrugged and proceeded to quadruple into year end. I mean, th that's just one example politically. Then you look at like the the technology. I mean, you hear in the back of your mind, oh, this Lightning Network, Lightning Network is going to be the future. And then, bam, January, February, it's already on the main net and people are realizing this is the future. And the same thing goes for all the other technologies and all the, the other advancements, whether it's social or political or technological in Bitcoin. And the other thing is, yeah, I, I mean, I will agree that back in 2000, yeah, TD Ameritrade and Schwab and E-Trade and super easy to buy now. Still hard to buy. It was hard to buy at the peak two months ago. I mean, that was probably 90% of what I did at my company at Crypto Gold Central was trying to help people buy Bitcoin and it was very hard for them to do at the peak. So I agree. And, and also, yeah, most of them will go away and there will be new altcoins that replace them. I mean, Facebook was not around in the beginning. Google was not around in the beginning. Uh, and, uh, and Netflix wasn't around in the beginning. So three of the four 
fangs weren't even there during the dot-com era. And Amazon really didn't succeed until a decade after uh, the, the, the boom. So yes, in that manner, it is debatable, Adam, whether this is the end of a cycle or the beginning of a cycle. And of course, the bigger, the second question as we're talking about is, well, how do you benefit from it? Well, I, I want to say that one thing that it's obviously we're living in fast times. That That's what we're saying. Things happen so fast. And so you get caught up in this life in the fast lane type of thing and you become very almost impatient. I just want to urge everyone that even though we're living in these fast times, be very patient. Be very patient. There is no instant gratification here. So it is totally awesome that the Lightning Network is it is so cool. I mean, I'm hearing about nano transactions and stuff. And but then people are like, well, if Lightning Network is so great, why hasn't the price of Bitcoin went up? You know, be patient, people. Be, definitely be patient. Right now, these obviously what Andy and I have been talking about, all these markets are clearly not based on any fundamentals at all. Eventually, the markets will mature and fundamentals will be understood. You know, most of the people that are playing around in cryptocurrency don't even understand what the fundamentals should be, what these these cryptocurrencies should do, why one would be better than the other. So you got to be very patient here if you're concerned about, you know, the fiat value of your cryptocurrency. Um, and, and there's a, just the development and maturity of the space. You have to be very, it is all going to become clear one day, but we're just in just a, an era of chaos now, which I consider to be very exciting if you have your head on straight and you can think long-term. Because if you don't, you're, there are a million things that get distracted by in this space. So how do we benefit? How, do, how does a, a, a regular person benefit from all the crazy fluctuations in prices of the altcoins? Well, I mean, the, the only... One direct way is if you're getting them for free, if for some reason, you know, you're getting your crypto dividends for free, just turn them into uh turn them into Bitcoin. It's just, it's a time to get cheap Bitcoin. That That's that's what I say. If you happen to have uh, some altcoins that you don't like anymore, turn them into Bitcoin. It's a, it's a, it's a cheap way to get, to get Bitcoin. That, 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 that's how, how, how one can benefit from, from all this craziness. Bitcoin's on sale. Think of it that way. Well, put it this way, as my phone rings, the... Netscape moment for the internet was around 2000 or so. I'd have to look exactly. I mean, Netscape was founded in 94 uh, and it had its peak right around the top. That was the moment where the internet became easiest. It was also the moment where as soon as that that hype came in, that's when all the uh, the money, uh, that's when all the, the hot money came in. That's when all the, the money grabs, the equivalent of the forks and the new altcoins and ICOs. And as a result of that hype, you had uh, you had a crash. I mean, you had a boom and a bust cycle, while at the same time, completely and utterly unaffecting or not affecting the actual internet and its growth. And that's probably where we are now, except as we're talking about, at a much faster pace. There's much more money available, much more leverage. In this case, there's no regulation at all. So it's easy for people to do crazy things. I mean, look what they were doing. I mean, Korea is just a... South Korea is just the poster child of just insanity of people just doing whatever they want with, without any restrictions at all. And look what happens. So, you know, you, you very well could be in that exact same situation right now where that moment where people start to realize that, that there's a huge, um, uh, 
future for Bitcoin caused all the money to come in, caused the, the boom and bust cycle in the in the uh, the derivatives, uh, derivatives then being dot coms in this case being uh, alt uh, coins and and ICOs. But you know you'll look up two years from now, or maybe it's one year from now, or six months from now, and you'll see, wow, Bitcoin is much stronger, secure, faster, cheaper, and more adopted than it ever was. And most of those other things are gone now or immaterial, but there will be some that are still around. And you know, if you're lucky enough to have them, that's great. But why take that risk when Bitcoin is already by far the best risk reward profile you'll maybe ever have, certainly now relative to where it was a month or two ago? Oh yeah, I, I don't see a reason to, to buy. Uh, the, the, it's blind diversification. It's just, it's just diversification for the sake of diversification isn't a good isn't a good way to to diversify. Um, uh, I, I don't see a reason to get into any of these these other these other coins. I mean, people are going to bring up uh, that that's another topic. I mean, you know, Bitcoin isn't private enough right now. Well, it it, it will become private enough. Uh, eventually, you know, with sec second layer solutions. Uh, uh, if you need to make a super duper private uh, transaction right now, like, I mean, I guess if you're into some nasty stuff and you really need to do that, then maybe you want to look into something other than Bitcoin. But I mean, I, that's not my area of uh, expertise, nor do I want to, you know, be associated with people who want to make a really illicit type of transaction. <laughs> Well, you know, I have all these topics and probably, you know, one like I'm going to have money trigs on next week. We'll get deeper into Ethereum. But but you're you're certainly aware of what's going on. I was just curious what your thoughts are. I think people have gotten angry at me lately for bringing up the fact that Ethereum as a centralized uh, network has caused a lot of problems because whether it was an inadvertent Ponzi scheme or not, and I think that's the best way of describing it, it created a situation where there was a huge source of demand to fund what it was creating. And that's why you're in this situation where you have dozens of altcoins, many of which really aren't doing anything that have massive balances of Ethereum on their balance sheets. Just like you have a handful of miners who, by the way, at current prices are making a lot less money, holding a massive amount of Bcash on their balance sheets. So, and now of course you have the, the irony of Ethereum did that uh, that, uni that um, unilateral split two years ago, which people didn't realize uh, they thought at the time was nothing. But now you have Ethereum Classic there and it has ramifications because there is a proof of stake versus proof of work potential war going on. I mean, what's your view? Do you think that Ethereum is just starting what Bitcoin ended as far as its wars and what are its odds of coming through them compared to what Bitcoin's odds were? Well, there's a... The, there's a question of what is Ethereum good for? Is is it actually is it going to be able to deliver on all the fancy things that it said it could do? And um, I don't. Th I think there's smart people working with it right now that are working on some interesting things with it. Um, to because it's supposed to be a more technology. It's a technologically advanced cryptocurrency, the supercomputer of the world, whatever they want to call it, um, and you know, and too many people try to compare Bitcoin to Ethereum when they're not trying to do the, the same exact things. So Ethereum, uh, a lot of people have, you know, gotten to this ERC-20 building ICOs, building coins on it, on it type of thing. And that has obviously created a bubble of, of sorts. But just because that has become bubblicious doesn't mean that there aren't 
some very interesting use cases for Ethereum in the future that we can't even dream of. It, it, is, it, is, it is an interesting creation. So I think that um, it still has a lot, it has a lot of potential. It really does have a lot of potential um, to change the world just as Bitcoin does. And both of them can succeed because they're really not competing against each other. And I think that's, that's another thing that has to, to, to be put out there is that, okay, Bitcoin is number one. Bitcoin is the winner. But dude, there is no shame in being number two or number three or number four either. I mean, there, there's value in that. There's value in that if you if you are actually legitimate, if you're actually um, on the cutting edge and, and creating new products and, and new technologies. So, but but going back to the Ethereum's issue, um, and that is, you know, is it going to go? Uh, is it going to go proof of stake? And 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 what does that mean? I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out. I, I, I don't. I, I just don't understand. If it's not broke, you know, why, why fix it? Type of thing. Um, you, it, it's, it's not. It's not broken now. They should. I wouldn't want to change the. That. I mean, I know everyone was promised that it would go to uh, because it's centralized. Uh, that that it would go to a proof of stake, but I, I don't. I, I see that. Maybe they'll go to proof of stake and it'll still be really successful, but they're going to still be all these miners that want to, you know, do the proof of work thing. And uh, they're going to go to Ethereum Classic probably. And so I, I think that we could come to a situation where there's all sorts of people still, you know, stuck in, on, on Ethereum and just, you know, innovating on it. But this, this change from, you know, the, the proof of work, proof of stake thing, could help Ethereum Classic, so we could see them both do well. I mean, or or it could hurt Ethereum. That that, that you know that I, I don't. Know. There's there's a lot of potential here. I I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good that could come to Ethereum Classic. Ethereum Classic. I'll I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it. At, it's very clear that there's some big players. Barry Silbert, um, probably Jihan. Uh, King of the Troll, uh, whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what I call Rocket Man Wu, who are into this Ethereum Classic thing. That there's a very interesting Ethereum Classic play out there. But again, I'm not a one. I'm not a person to speculate into altcoins in the first place. Uh, uh, my interest in the whole Ethereum saga is like, what are they going to be able to deliver technologically? What is Ethereum going to be able to do, deliver technologically? Because there's been a lot of hype, and there's are a lot of smart people working on it. So, I mean, I wish them luck. I, I hope that Ethereum does, uh, you know, is able to become the supercomputer of the world. But Ethereum Classic is just Ethereum also. So you could build all that stuff on Ethereum Classic also. So if Ethereum Classic becomes more um, appealing, yeah, that could hurt That could hurt Ethereum. But uh, And then all the people that happen to have Ethereum Classic are going to get rich. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the, there's so many issues here. Of course, the first one being that, that by centralization, you can make decisions which are not necessarily good. And that decision to fork off or fork off Ethereum from Ethereum Classic, which may have sounded good back then, had ramifications to it, which people ignored for a long time. But the big picture of Ethereum is, yes, you're saying the biggest uh, point is what technology can they deliver and be successful? And what I'm trying to say is that there's a big difference between what success for Ethereum is 
and the investment thesis. Because again, I mean, Vitalik himself, whether he mean, I mean, I doubt he actually means this, says, I don't care about the price. Well, you're certainly not doing a lot of things that are good for the price, like uh, turning it into a centralized token, like making a decision to uh, to uh, enable everyone to use Ethereum to fund the projects that you your platform is creating. In fact, a lot of the projects your platform is creating are direct competitors. So if you're asking me, you know, how, how does this impact the Bitcoin price and the investment thesis for Ethereum, these things can be potentially disastrous. Uh, then again, if, if the Ethereum creator, the centralized creator believes that the price doesn't matter, well, I guess it doesn't matter as long as the technology is there. And I'm saying that these are the things that people these are the, the big pink elephants in the room people don't want to deal with. One, I think most people, including myself, have not a clue of what the actual technology is, let alone how it compares to competing technologies. Some people say Cardano is better. I have not a clue. I don't know anything about these things. But the fact is that there are some imminent dangers in the Ethereum price because of the, quote, business model that's developed, whether it was inadvertent or not. And the same goes for Bcash because whatever their, their means of getting there, the fact is you have a handful of these big miners like Bitmain that own massive amounts of it that can that can go to the market at any time. And this would not have happened in a free market. So you have to be careful, people, that whether you like Bcash's technology or Ethereum's technology, as a, a, an, an analyst, someone who looks at these things as a trader, you say, wow, these are some massive red flags regarding the investment thesis and you know, invest accordingly. I'm going to go on to one more topic. It may take a little time because there's so many things. The one thing about, yeah, go on. About a I wanted to say one thing about Ethereum. It's yeah. all out there. You, it's the, you said it's the pink elephant in the room. All the information is out there. It's, he's not, Vitalik isn't hiding anything. He's straight up saying he doesn't care about the price. Our, so for all the, all the uh, fly-by-night investors, day traders out there, the centralized leader of Ethereum says he does not care about the price. So don't. It's only your fault if you buy into that. If you buy into that after he has said that, and then it goes to zero, well, then it's your fault. Then it's it's the person who bought it's fault. I just want people to take personal responsibility. I mean, there Ethereum could be a, a, a totally bad thing or whatever, but it's all the information is all out there. So if someone buys into it, that's on them. That's it's not Vitalik's fault. It's not, it's not all these whoever's building ICOs fall on it. It's what Ethereum is. It's out there now. So you're, this is all risk reward type of stuff. People, this isn't, there's no easy thing in life and there are definitely risks in these altcoins. I, I think, I mean, that's a good, no, that's, it's, it's absolutely right. Look in Ethereum's case, uh, he has been straightforward. He says, this is the deal with Ethereum. Take it or leave it. I think the vast majority of investors think of it more. It's like a tech stock. Like it's the sexiest crypto tech stock, but the fact is it's exactly what it is. It's a high risk, unregulated, extremely speculative tech stock that's not even run necessarily for the price to go up. And of course, Wall Street loved it. That's why, what a shock. It pumped after Bitcoin already gone down after January 1st when the crypto hedge funds came in. One, because they're diversifying, because you can't start a crypto hedge fund and just own Bitcoin. So of course you're gonna own a lot of the number two, which is Ethereum, and two, it just, it's it caters to that kind of excitement. It's tech. This is the highest tech of all. This is a major like this is the equivalent of one of like the Intel, the Oracle or Cisco back in 2000. But the fact is, it's not. It's theoretically it's an open source project that is being run as a technology platform that is not necessarily 
a good investment. Maybe it will be. But again, you're also talking about an unlimited uh, supply. I mean, there's a lot of red flags. And the other thing is, so you're saying, yes, take personal responsibility. The other one is, it's like I bring up Litecoin. People get mad. And again, I, it's like I don't have anything against it. I don't hate Litecoin. I mean, it works. It's been around a long time. It's not like there's anyone, anyone in it like a Roger Ver who has, in fact, misled as opposed to Vitalik, who's not misled at all. But I mean, Charlie Lee sold his entire Litecoin position two months ago. And at the same time, he's admitted he, ha he has big Bitcoin position. So for when you're when you're when in a I mean, and Charlie Lee is the number two cryptocurrency personality on Twitter. He has like 800,000 followers. So the biggest reason people were buying it was because they believed in him. And he's saying, look, I sold my position and I still have Bitcoin. And yet people get upset, you know, th that that the price goes down and don't realize that that's like a big red flag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was going to have to do something eventually. Just rip the Band-Aid off now. Get it over with. He did it. I mean, I, I uh, and again, it just it reminds everyone how centralized all the other coins are. That's just a remind. But people, so many, 80 percent of the people out there don't care if it's centralized or not. They don't realize what cryptocurrency is, is was supposed to be. It's, it's supposed to be decentralized, but but whatever they're learning their lesson th that way, I guess. Uh, yeah. But but to scapegoat, there's no reason to scapegoat. Charlie Lee's got to was eventually going to have to do something, so he, he did something. And this is what you get when you get into these altcoins, these centralized altcoins, whether it be a really nice guy like Charlie. But he's a totally honest guy. He was keeping it on the up and up. He was going to have to do something. So uh, yeah, now, it, it, again, you're you, you guys are you know you're. You know when the blaze but yourselves when you buy into these centralized coins because at, at, at the at a moment's notice some big player could do something and then whoop it just yeah and exactly and and again you know my background is wall street and finance and while i believe and also in sound money so obviously i believe as much philosophically in bitcoin as gold or anything i ever was with before but the fact is i look at things from a wall street financial perspective and i see unbelievable red flags in all the top coins. You have Bcash, you have Ethereum, you have Litecoin. And then of course there's Ripple, which doesn't need, I don't even consider it a crypto, but even if you did, I mean, we're talking about beyond uh, beyond the uh, the normal red flags. And on top of that, it's like CNBC's favorite. So again, there's red flags as far as the eye can see on the top of that chart, except for of course, Bitcoin, where I really don't see any of those. Um, and then you know, I wanted to bring up crypto dividends again. I'm not going to go over all of them, but a couple I'd like to go over. Um, uh, we're definitely going to go over in a second B Private and B Rhodium, which the two of us are, are, are well known for, But and then we'll finish. But I just want to start out with Monero and Monero V because this is a perfect example of the risks of investing in altcoins. Now, Monero, if you ask anyone as recently as, I don't know, a month ago, a week ago, the, and you say, well, what, what uh, altcoins actually do anything? And you could be asking Andreas, or you can be asking just the average investor, and they'll pretty much say, "Okay, well, Bitcoin does stuff, uh, Ethereum does stuff. I think, I guess, Monero does stuff." And then the list kind of ends. Some people might say Litecoin, but you know, Monero is a big one. And then look what happens: a Monero centrally run, and someone comes in and says, "You know what? I can do it better. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a decentralized uh, platform where you don't have this fluffy pony guy out there." Uh, who's running things, and I'm going to have a supply cap. And what do you know? A massive civil war is going to develop in Monero. Do you disagree? Well, I, I don't know how massive it is going to, to be, the, the civil war. Um, but I do think that this is an example of when 
centralized personalities, you can see how negative it, it can be for a coin. Um, he, you know, he, Fluffy Pony is an outspoken person and people become frustrated because he, he says, he calls a lot of things scams. He attacks other coins. He had a, you know, he, he made a big joke. I think it was, it was less than a year ago about Monero. He was going to have a big announcement and there wasn't a big announcement and people got tired of it. And in the free market, you can just fork off and, and create another coin. Well, a lot of people, uh, him included, they don't like that. They, they, they're, they don't like that this Monero V thing is going to happen. So you, you have two different approaches here. You have guys that are outspoken associated with Monero. And then you have some dudes that are taking a new approach uh, that are just, you know, straight and narrow. We're, we're going to be focused. We're going to learn from the other crypto dividends mistakes. We're going to get on some exchanges and we're going to let the market decide. So I think it is a very unique experiment. And it kind of is intertwined with the social media drama that's out there too. This is, um, you know, I don't, I don't like to say wars and battles and all, all of that. Um, but this is, this is a case where it is, it is, there's something going on. There's definitely, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this develops. It, 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 it uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I, my advice to like someone like Fluffy Pony um, it's just to completely ignore Monero V, but he, they, they can't help themselves. They can't right. Help well, themselves. And so it's yeah. only going to, it's going to only help. I mean, because again, we see what the natural tendency of people is. Um, holders want to get crypto dividends. If they're, if they're entitled to something for free, they, they, they're going to try to get it. So if they're holders of Monero out there, sure, there's some hardcore guys that are like, oh, I'll never touch the, this free Monero V stuff. But there are a lot of people that are just like, you know what? I I, I want to see what this is all about. I, I want to get it. I, so there's going to be a lot of natural interest in this Monero V thing. But again, it transcends into uh, social media and all of the uh, centralized controversy that has been around Monero for the last year or so because of one key outspoken figure. So we'll see how it develops. Right. And and the big, the big again, you have these pink elephants in the room. The big one in the room is that Monero V is essentially the same thing as Monero. And then the bigger argument is, well, so what makes you so much better than Zcash or Z Classic or B Private or what Bitcoin will eventually be? And uh, so you're seeing these kind of internal wars uh, battling uh, with things that arguably don't have viable long-term use cases. I mean, how is B Private or Monero V any different uh, in the big picture than what we currently have in the privacy department. None, not at all. They, they're, they're not because all B private is, is Zcash. If you, if you boil it back down, all Monero V is, is Monero. But we, we're in, we're clearly entering an era where privacy is becoming more and more important. So there's going to be more and more people trying to claim that space before Bitcoin can solve it with the second layer solution, basically. I think that's how it's, it's all gonna end up eventually with some cool second layer solutions on top of Bitcoin. That's how you're gonna deal with your privacy. But for now, we, we have experienced, we have read stories that imply that governments and various private institutions are trying to track cryptocurrency, are trying to track users. So being on this privacy cutting edge, experimenting with privacy, trying to be the privacy winner is going to be the big niche in altcoins right now. So you're going to see a, a, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of different people trying to jump onto this bandwagon. 
and trying to create unique solutions and unique distribution solutions. So with, with the be private thing, um, all of a sudden, if you're a Bitcoin holder, you're entitled to free Zcash basically, because that's all that be private really is. Be private is Z classic. Z classic was Zcash. So it's, 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 I think it's very, the whole be private thing is really interesting when you're just a, a big for Bitcoin holders. It's incredibly, I mean, what, what a glorious thing. You're a Bitcoin holder and you're getting, you're being sent this new way to, to, or a different way to approach privacy. And you don't, you don't have to buy any Monero to, to experiment with privacy. You're getting this free B private, this, which is basically a Zcash. And it's, uh, I, th I think it was a, a very unique thing. And we'll, we'll see how it all, all plays out. Which one of these privacy coins is the best, is the most accepted, is the most understood. Right. Uh, of course, you know, there's the other angle and I'll get to Brodium in a second, which we're not going to have a long discussion of. But the fact is the way that it was distributed was incredibly uh, poorly done. And some would say some would say unsavory, because clearly the fact that that you had to buy a Z Classic to get it. You didn't so many people did not know. Some people certainly did know it. And a lot of people lost them a lot of money in the process. Of of getting their their Z their P private as opposed to Bitcoin holders, which didn't lose anything. But then again, ninety nine percent of them haven't gotten any B private. So I think that distribution method, whether it was savory or unsavory, is gone. I don't think we're going to see that again because it just doesn't work. Well, it doesn't until there's some until Trezor makes it easy to split them all, or until a competitor comes to Trezor comes along and makes all these things forks really easily accessible imagine if all of a sudden there's some hardware device that just does all the splitting for you all of a sudden we're going to see a million new crypto dividends again it's all going to repeat because this whole thing is is cyclical but i wouldn't say that the z if people didn't understand that you if people want to be private that badly and didn't understand and hadn't done the research that they could just get it for free by just holding by being patient and holding on to their bitcoin then, I mean, they got what they deserve. I mean, this is this is about education. This is why people have to take their time in this space. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Oh, uh, absolutely, it is every man for himself. I'm not. I don't feel pity for anyone that loses anything in financial markets. God knows, I've had plenty of losses in my life, and a lot of those losses were when I did my homework. Uh, let alone most of them. I always do my homework, but I have had plenty of losses even doing my homework. And a lot of people didn't do it at all. And that was certainly the case here. So without even judging whether it was a good idea or not, I just think that distribution method was not the best one. And that's why the airdrop method. And, and that's the interesting experiment with B rhodium. We'll see how successful. And I'm, I'm excited about that too, because that was done with totally airdrop. So you'll be able to compare the results of an airdrop one versus the results of the more traditional well, that one was the B private one was not that traditional because it was a double fork. Uh, but but I, I will say another thing. Um, in the end of the day, if, if people are unhappy, they had to buy Z Classic. And some people spent $200 on their Z Classic, which I mean, I, that, that would be wild. But obviously, there were a few people who, who might have done that. Well, guess what? Be patient, people. It's not over yet. You have your B private. You got what you paid for you bought z classic so you could get b private now you have b private see how it develops 
in the you know maybe in a year it's going to be worth a thousand dollars and then everyone will be like everyone will be ahead you know right now there's a lot of people that looks like, that look like on paper you know they they lost fiat because of it in, in terms of fiat but they they should still have their b private that they got through buying z classic they shouldn't have just dumped it and and, and just given up like that be patient be patient. See what the story is not over yet. That that's what I, you right, know. Right. You could say like, you know what? It's over. It was terrible. It was the distribution method was terrible. It's but it's not over yet because they they still have a centralized team working on it. So it ain't over till it's over. That you know for opening day, I think that's a good line. That's right. Right. Well, you, you the whole concept. Oh, actually, I'm echoing. Um, let's see. Do you have? You don't have headphones on. Is that the? Or maybe you just mute while I talk for a second. Oh, that's weird. I forgot to put my headphones on. It's so strange. Okay. Well, now I can. Now I'm good. You, you, you have talked about the universal splitting tool potential, uh, which could come in at some point, and that could change a lot of things. I don't know that that necessarily means you'd have many more forks, but it would certainly change the value of forks because you have to discount the fact that most forks, and I mean ninety percent of them, people have not been able to access. I mean, yes, you can go to my good friend Rocky Palumbo and get some of them, but it entails an incredible amount of work and some risk to do that. Uh, so for the most part, people, Bitcoin holders with B-Private aren't even going to deal with it unless it's worth a lot. Uh, the only ones that people have really been able to get have been Bcash and Bgold, which of course came out at the very beginning when these forks were actually worth something. So yeah, I don't know if there'll be a universal splitting tool. Uh, I don't know if Trezor will ever split another coin again. I think Trezor just did it because they had to, and they realized that there's risk involved and that um, that there's not the same pressure. Uh, there's more pressure now on them for security than there is to get as many coins as possible. So again, like you said, it's not over, but people, man, you need to do your homework because forks, crypto dividends are not what they were at the very beginning. They are not easy to get. They are not worth a lot for the most part. And that's why, again, uh, I'm so interested now look if the cryptocurrency market is in free fall crash you know that that affects the evaluations of everything but the fact that b rhodium is coming out by airdrop which you had to work for and yes you did have to work to get it uh but you got it for free safely that is the model because no one needs to fork it for you you don't need to buy anything to get it you don't have to give up your private keys so i believe that aside from the other big pink elf in the room of having a use case you can't just say, well, I'm going to be an airdrop, so people are going to make me valuable. You have to have something people want, which is no different than a stock. Uh, but I think the airdrop is going to be the future. And I think when when uh, B-Rhodium comes out in the next uh, two weeks or so, that people will realize, wow, that was really easy. If I just hold Bitcoin, just hold my Bitcoin, I will get this safely. And guess what? I actually will have the ability to sell it or hold it and not have to worry about buying Z Classic or getting Trezor to split it or hoping a universal splitting tool uh, comes out because that's the future of crypto dividends to me. I, I think one elephant in the room that we're leaving out that the lesson that has had you have to have learned through this B private thing through super BTC through B dot through, through any of them is have your exchanges lined up beforehand. Is still all this stuff still relies on third parties in, in a in a big way. If you are if you're someone who's creating who wants to create a crypto dividend, I, this is my advice to you. First thing you do is before you even announce it, work out some deals with the big exchanges that they're going to be able that they're going to list it on day one. 
I think that is that is a big a big uh, a, a big way for for success for these coins in the, in the future. And I I I, I know Monero V has already announced that they're going to be on Hit BTC. So I, I hope. And you know, a lot of a lot of the criticism of B Private was is like well, they're not on any they're not going to be listed on any exchanges. And you know, for B Diamond also you know it wasn't listed on any exchanges. You know these. Get get my, again. My advice to these people who are trying to do these uh, crypto dividends wherever they are, get get your exchanges in line before anything. No, that's number one. Get the exchanges in line. But if they're not, in the end of the day, maybe the B rhodium thing is going to be the greatest distribution method of all time. But if they're not on any exchanges, they're gonna we're gonna hear these same complaints again that we've been hearing about the other ones. So I know the B rhodium team they're working on all sorts of things behind the scenes. So hopefully, God willing, um, they are they're working on getting that thing listed on a, a big exchange. So th that that will help it a lot. Yeah, and again, it comes down to the unbelievable amount of immaturity in the space, lack of regulation, lack of, yeah, lack of Wall Street help to guide you through these things. The fact that so few of these, I mean, really, again, you go back to Bcash. Bcash was the most haphazardly, ad hoc created. Yes, it was done by necessity. The reason they created it was because they lost the scaling war. SegWit locked in on like July 20th. And, uh, and was going to be activated like August 20th. And they just said, we lost, let's just create a fork. Let's just do it, we'll call it Bcash. I mean, that's the extent of, uh, of how, how Bcash came into being. But of course, because it was the first one and because it was Roger Ver behind it and because it was not precedented, it prompted the Trezors and the Coinbases and, and the Ledgers to say, we gotta support it, uh, but that's, not the case anymore. The world has changed. And all, but amazingly, all the subsequent forks, which again were all money grabs, B Diamond, perfect example. They had B Gold, sorry, B Gold, all of them. They just wanted people to get, get free money out there that they can get. They didn't do any of the work you're talking about. They just said, we're getting it as fast as possible. We're gonna we're gonna fork it block 472377 now, and it'll be a fork. The problem is that no support. In fact, no code. Ask Rocky. So a lot of them don't even have the code yet. You couldn't split it, even if you even if you were an expert, because they they didn't do the work to get the code done. That's why it was so amazing to me that be private, which you talk about, people would learn from their mistakes. They have, for whatever reason, I don't know how they have it, an enormous team with enormous funding and marketing on top of coding, and yet the fork happened haphazardly, quickly, no follow up. I mean, here we are a month later. They're not on exchanges. Bittrex, where they split out for Z Classic, not supporting it. And you go, why Why didn't you just wait two or three months? It's like a venture capital firm. You wait till you have your ducks in a row. And one of those would be that your code is done. And so you can send it to the exchanges and Trezor and let them decide on it. And if they say, no, we can't support it, you say, okay, we'll do more work on it to make it so that you would want to support it or Bittrex. Then we will launch it. And then it will have a good IPO or ICO, whatever you want to call it, launch, and it creates goodwill. In this case, and all of them pretty much, they've done the opposite. Now with B-Rhodium from following, you know, I go in their Discord community, I listen to what their devs are saying. I think they are doing that. I think they have been purposefully slow and methodical in creating uh, the, their test nets. And, uh, and they say in early April, that's when they will announce exchanges. Well, we'll see. If they come out in early April and say, well, we need more time because there's no exchanges. Well, it's the same kind of thing as you say. It's a little different because at least we have it already. We don't need it to be split. But you know, you really need to understand if you are trying to 
create a new coin, then A, you have to have a use case, and B, you have to do it professionally to the point where it creates goodwill and people want to own it. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, this is a learning experience and patience is is a word that keeps that keeps coming up. So on their side, on the on the crypto dividend side, they need to be patient. At the same time, on uh, our side also, we're, we're going to need to be patient with some of these coins also because it's just, it is a learning experience. We don't, it, not everyone's mastered it yet. I wanted to say one thing about the B gold though. B gold is different. You, you said B gold and B diamond in the same breath. B gold is was the first friendly fork. B gold uh, is on the trezor. I mean, it's it's on a, it's it's definitely on a different level than than something like B diamond. Right, I mean, but I, I would argue that B gold is only because it was quick. They were the ones that went right after B cash when there was still pressure felt by trezor and ledger uh, to do these things. They felt like, well, we're going to get sued if we don't put these forks on because everyone will say they want the money and uh you know yes they they had they did they put the code out they made it easy for them but uh which is different from the others but i think that that i think that the exchanges and wallets no longer feel that pressure and they no longer are going to put themselves at risk and of course the case with b gold is uh, again like all the other ones well what's your use case i mean b rodium will say hey we have a tenth of the supply our use case is ultra scarcity bitcoin can't subsume it that's up to investors to decide if that's worth something. But for B Gold, I go, well, you have Equihash, yes, so do a lot of other coins. So what exactly is the use case? And you have to have a use case if you want a long-term investment to go up. That's the biggest thing. B Diamond definitely does not have that. And uh, and B Private, it's debatable because uh, we don't even know exactly what it is that they're doing. The average person doesn't even understand it. It's, pri it's privacy. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. privacy. Maybe yeah. that's, that's a well, place. privacy compared to Monero, Monero V, Zcash, and whatever else is out there that we, because most people don't understand it. So we'll see. I mean, we will see all these things, as you say, the game is not over until it's over. Yes. Okay. And again, that, again, that we'll just finish by talking about you can give your final, as you say, conclusionary remarks, because if there's one game that's not over, aside from the Orioles and the Mets, it is Bitcoin. Is bit when will Bitcoin end? What stage of the game are we in? What inning? Well, I wanted to say, you know, thanks for having me on the show today. This has been a fun show, hasn't it? Pound that like button, people. So, what uh, what stage in the, the Bitcoin game are we in? Oh man, it's it's early, man. It's like it's like the second inning still, man. It's still the second. It, it, this is this is early on. People, people can't buy it. As you said, you were, you were doing consultant, just helping people buy it. I mean, that's just think about that. Just, just, just put that in perspective. And it wasn't easy. As you know, it, it was really, really hard to buy. Now no one wants to buy it, but uh, man, it was almost impossible for the average person to just get in and buy it in December. Yeah. So all of these mm -hmm. obstacles that some people try to fud on, I consider them to be positives because we're still in an era, there's there's so many obstacles involved in cryptocurrency, in Bitcoin, and I know they're going to be eliminated eventually. And I just imagine the day when it's everything's easier, when these obstacles are gone, um, just how widely accepted Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is going to be, how, how, how um, it's going to be a part of the major part of society as we know it. We're not we're not we're not there yet. So the, just the huge potential that's out there. I, I see it as a positive and I see this as we're still early on in, on all, in all this, but because of the speed of things, the way we live life today, it could be 
everything could change in a moment's notice and it, it could we could be in the, the fifth inning all of a sudden who knows it could, yes, be, it could, be, yes. it could be a fast game a, a well-pitched game like uh I hope happens today in Baltimore, you know? Right, right. Well, put it, I mean, put it this way again, as I've said several times, this is the only bear market I've seen, uh, which was based on no bad news. I mean, I'm still waiting for some bad news. Today I see the Chinese, one of the Chinese PBOC governors is talking about expanding their uh, usage or interest in cryptocurrency. And we were just told that they were going to be banning it. So again, all the news that you see in Bitcoin is the same as what the all the news was for the internet in 2000. All good. And 20 years later, it's exponentially better. And that's where I feel we are in Bitcoin at this horrible, horrible price of $7,500. And uh, so again, I mean, if you really just think about things, the risk reward profile for altcoins is at this price or where it was a month ago, or where it'll be next month, extremely, extremely sketchy, even though you could make a fortune Whereas in Bitcoin, I would say the risk reward ratio is better than anything I've ever seen in my career. So on that note, uh, we'll conclude today's hard hitting podcast featuring the inspirational, passionate Bitcoin supporter, Adam Meister. Please check him out uh, at the Bitcoin Meister YouTube channel for his daily and weekly programming and the World Crypto Network's iTunes feed for both of our, both of our programs. And of course, his Twitter handle at TechBalt. As for me, Please try a free seven-day trial subscription at CryptoGoldCentral.com or email me about consultations at ahoffman at CryptoGoldCentral.com. Thanks very much and have a great crypto day. Go Orioles, baby!